Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great to be here with you again. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and the CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. And also feel free to connect me on LinkedIn. Today I have YP Chen on the show with me again, and he has been with us for the past two weeks. We talked about China's innovation in the technology industry, and we also deep dived into the key drivers that resulted the economic development miracles in China during the past forty years. And today. I would like to have a discussion with YP based on his research into this cultural and world-class enterprises, and we are going to talk about Chinese cultural DNA in the context of world-class enterprise. So, welcome back, YP. Thank you, Michelle. Glad to be here. Okay, let's just help our audience who have maybe never heard this show to know more about you. Can you give us a very quick, brief introduction of yourself again? Yes, my name is Y P Chen. I'm a principal in Chen Lingling, which primarily focuses on investment, business consultancies, and、um, in Greater China and U.S. I've been、uh, doing business in China. Since 1994, stayed in Hong Kong, China, in the past for about nine years, and still travel to China four or five times. Strategy consulting and helping business in China to figure out some of the strategic operation issue. And I also part time involved at、uh, Dartmouth Business School, University of、uh, Washington,、uh, Buffalo Business School, Seattle University. And Shanghai University, Tianjin University, and also China Southwest University of Science and Technology.、Mm-hmm. So you have spent most of your time in the business world, as especially these days as a consultant. But you also spent quite some time in the academic world, did your research and teaching those universities. I think one of the thing that is very fascinating about your work. Is the view of those country level or the Western Eastern side of the cultural side?、Uh, you look into that, then you combine your experience in the business world and looking into those companies, the corporations, and you come up with this Chinese cultural DNA and bring that into the corporate world to look into. How business is reflecting those cultural aspects. I think,、uh, you know, that's a very fascinating topic. And、uh, from what we have talked during the last two weeks, 
We started with really high level on the countryside to look at China overall. Now, I think that's a great foundation for today's topic to bring it down to the corporate level. So, YP, why did you really start such kind of complex projects? Looking at those corporate cultural DNA and、uh, combine that with your business world. Yeah, I think Michelle, that's a good question.、Uh, the short answer is that I get paid to do it. Of course, let me give you a background of how did I get paid to do this thing. There's an entrepreneur in Henan, in China, in central China, who has built his business from nothing, for almost a bankrupt state-owned enterprise, small factory. To a business about seven hundred million dollar US in about twenty years, so he figured out that he's been very successful in the past twenty years. But with so much uncertainty, competition for the next twenty year to thirty year, he's worried about how his business going to sustain over such a long period of time. So he looked along in、um, along some of these world class enterprise such as IBM, Nestle. And then he asked him quite. He he's thinking about it. He said, "What are the key element of this company that allow them to last more than 150 years?" So he have one question. The question is that, "What are the culture DNA of world class enterprise?" He did not know the answer. So he come to us to find out the answer for him. And that's how we start this. Whole topic,、uh, we start out essentially consulting projects. Oh, I'm very impressed by this Chinese man, this Chinese business person. He's not just looking at、uh, the present; he's really thinking about the long term. And、uh, yeah, he brings such a question to look、uh, not just his own business, but、uh, in general, right? <laughs> What are the DNA's or the values behind it? Well, I really like this topic, and、uh, let's spend some time、uh, looking into it. So, when we talk about a、uh, corporate、uh, or company cultural DNA, what exactly do you mean here? Yeah, the corporate culture DNA is really boils down to is the fundamental thing is what is your、um, core value and that allow you to kind of difference yourself and essentially culture DNA what we define as a root is a root and root R O O T root or the origin of your your company culture right and let me. Kind of high level talk about corporate culture. Corporate culture, to some extent, is not just a management tool. Like it's really a core of the management and root of strategy and execution. And in the corporate culture, it's not just kind of a menu select for me. Even though I see a lot of people doing that, so fundamentally, very、really、few people has can really think really deeply and just say. What is my company DNA? What is my company root? What is my company value proposition that allow me to maintain a competitive advantage? So basically, we look at the culture DNA lens of couple layer, and culture DNA is to lose the origin of really three layer. We're looking at I mentioned before is really the culture, the strategy, the execution. You think about from this perspective, 
And it's really, if you think, think about Couchdin, it's an inner circle, and the next layer is culture, and then the next layer is strategy, and the outside layer is uh, execution. All this in every day drive the performance, the result of your company. Mm-hmm. Then if you combine with the research and the, the topics we had earlier in the past two weeks, I think uh, one of the things you mentioned, uh, the Chinese culture, it comes uh, with the history. It comes with uh, all these uh, 5,000 years, the development of this country, right, as a non-destructive, continuous uh, growth of uh, human beings in this land. So what are these uh, things, uh, if now we are talking about uh, corporate, how do we see the connection here? Yeah, and actually, when we start this whole thing, we think about very holistically, and to understand really the culture DNA, we just say, okay, let's go back to the relation between company and country, or religions and philosophy, and the original civilization. So what we did, we went back to the 5,000 year civilization, and we come across actual very interesting research by academic in China. He articulated this very nicely. We, we actually borrowed the framework from him. And, and basically, he kind of looking at uh, the 5,000 year history human civilization and come to a conclusion that, you know, and there was three groups that have been very successful, and which I'm going to talk about a little bit. Within these three groups, successful groups, they share a common DNA in terms of really being successful as, as a group. And this essentially, three common DNA would be path, morality, innovation. And what is the path? Path, if you look from a company perspective, is your vision, your direction. So where are you going? What's your path? Where are you going, right? Mm-hmm. And the Chinese said, Dao, right? The second thing, morality, is you translate the company means is your company value. And okay. what is your culture company value? The third element, innovation, is something we know innovation is my first session with Michelle, we talk about innovation. So these three things really tie very nicely. It's very interesting uh, framework or looking at this issue. So my understanding from just you explained, the three things we looked at is the vision, what's the direction going, and the values that uh, we're holding. Yep. And uh, through innovation, or uh, with innovation, then you can finally get there. Is that correct? That, that's correct. And, and that was the key three, what they call, common in, allow three groups to be very successful in the past 5,000 years. So who are these three groups of, of uh, people in the civilization, human civilization, that really prosper over the years? Uh, group number one is a group that influenced by Confucianism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not only Chinese. As we know, the one that influenced by Confucianism is really the Chinese, the Japanese, the Korean, the Vietnamese, the, the Singaporean, all the overseas Chinese. So essentially, that's white group people. No, total about 1.7 billion people. That is more on the Asia land. Asia, and also, for example, like myself, Chinese-American, was influenced heavily by uh, Confucius later on, so, so that is part of us as well. And the second group is uh, Protestant, and that is part of the Catholic branch that uh, also was very successful from a business world. The third group is, of course, we know a Jewish group that has been extremely well, done very well in the past despite a lot of challenge or obstacle in their civilization and culture. All right, so the three groups, uh, by the three, I would say, religions, <laughs> right, influenced by that, 
It is religions, right? Well, actually, uh, Confucianism is not religion. Confucianism is actual philosophy. Uh, but it has the equivalent of religions because it impacts so much people, so many people from a philosophical, from a mind, from their perspective. A lot of people look at religion, but technically it's not religion. Confucianism. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. The, the in general terms by you know these different three philosophy or yeah. religion as an yeah. equivalent word. So can you give us some examples from each and examples about companies, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we're talking about a corporation. Yeah. In that way, we can live into it. We can have a more clear picture of how those philosophy, the religions, impact business. Yeah, based on the framework I mentioned about before by Dr. Zhao Shao, right? And then I'll look at this five dungeon history. Then we kind of say, okay, uh, this is the framework. And then what we did was choose, we carefully choose total about eight companies to study. Under Confucianism, we choose Li Jianji and from uh, Hong Kong, which is a soy sauce company style. And then we choose Huawei as well as the best telecommunication company from China. In Taiwan, we choose a company called uh, Delta Electronic. Is actually one of the most dominant player in uh, power supply. They start with making money, all the power supply to computer, and now they extend into power supply for solar energy, electrical vehicle type of thing. And you don't hear a lot about them because back time may be to be, but they have been very successful. In the Protestant side, we choose three company from the U.S. and one company from Europe. In U.S., we choose IBM, then we choose Homa, which is a food company out in the Midwest, and we choose Lincoln Electric, it's quite interesting company, That uh, and then in Europe, we choose Nasli, which is one of the biggest food company with about 150-year history, and the Jewish company, we choose a company called Tiva, that has about 100-year history, and recently, they get a little bit challenging because they acquired one of the competitors and they have a problem in integrating with it. Mm-hmm. So what are the criteria that you choose those companies? We choose this company is based on a couple of uh, elements. You look at the common thread among these companies is number one, they have with the exception of uh, Huawei and Delta Electronic. All of them has more than 100 year history. And if you look at this eight company, average is 102 year history and operation. Because some company, when you're 20, 30 years, too short to prove it, it's been successful now. And the second thing I'm looking at is they are actual leader in each one of their category. Mm-hmm. And they have done well, well, and, and but more importantly, they have a very, very, very strong culture. And and the three of them we talk about is the, the vision, the, the corporate body and culture, and they really thrive on innovation in the past hundred years mm-hmm. or so. Mm. Okay, I think it's time to take a quick break. We will be back right away. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. 
You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, now we're back. So through study these eight companies you just mentioned, what are the key things you have found by your study? Okay, yeah, uh, and actually it's uh, quite interesting. Uh, let me give you some perspective because we are in the radio with limited time. We spend total of uh, two of us. We spend total of four months, and part time essentially we spend equivalent of two months full time, so four men month. So we look through. We do the last study. Uh, review a lot of uh, book and, and case study and annual report, and we through a lot of information. Essentially, for a company, we generate over one thousand page PPT, uh-huh. over one thousand PPT. <laughs> so based on that, then we just said, what are the common thread that made this company successful? How do they tie to Dr. Zhao's? Kind of the common DNA, the the path, the morality, innovation. So what we did was we kind of add from a thousand page PPT. So we lay out all these company. So we lay out this company and look at. We did quite a lot analysis. And first of all, we look at the business goal. Right, of these eight companies, actually four of them are in technology manufacturing. And few of them in food industry because actually our client is in food industry, so we're going to focus on that. And one company in、uh, pharmaceutical. As I mentioned before, they have averages 102 years of history and operation, which is not a short period of time. As we know, as mentioned last time, every human being, every company, every country is a cycle. So most companies do not last more than a century. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this company went through a century, went through war, went through a lot of this upheaval, technology change, they still still around. That means really, it's a testimony to their longevity and sustainability. And then we were looking at their common path or common vision. One thing stand out is that all these company have a very long term and sustainable strategy. To some extent, they don't focus on the short term. To great extent, unlike a lot of publicistic company in the United States now, they focus on quarter and quarter, like a lot of these publicistic company. But all these company, they are they do not focus quarter and quarter. What about the stock price?、Mm-hmm. So that's number one thing. Are they all? Public? The, no, Huawei is not public.、Uh, with the exception of Huawei and Allegiant, is also not、uh, a public company. Actually, you think about both Allegiant and and Huawei. There's a reason why they're not public. They're very clear about the strategy, about their vision, and without be a publicistic company, they could achieve a lot more. But meanwhile, they're able to try a balance to able to incentivize the people without be a publicistic company.、Mm-hmm. So they're not focused on their quarter by quarter results and the stock price and the analyst comments. These two companies they purposely stay in as a private companies, so they would be able to have more control. Okay, so on the path. Or the corporate vision side, YP you just mentioned, 
they have the common feature that or the common thread through your study of these eight companies is they all have a long-term sustainable strategy. So what about the morality, which is the corporate values you have found? Yeah, that's an interesting point. In uh, for corporate value, it boils down to two things. One is the respect people, and number two, they create value for all the stakeholder, including competitor. And that's pretty unusual. For example, Lee Kim Kee view all the competitor essentially to their own development by create a bigger market and force themselves to innovate. They view that competitor is the best way to keep them honest and keep their hard working. Yeah, for example, Lee, Lee Kim Kee, the philosophy is all they view not only in their employee, their supplier, but also their competitor as the key stakeholder. Because essentially they look at it, the key competitor help to create a bigger market for everybody. And at the same time, the competitor keep them on their toe, so they continue to innovate, they continue to work harder, and to make them better. Mm-hmm. I think uh, they look at uh, this overall market versus just them versus others. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think this concept of win-win was winner takes all concepts mm-hmm. and which is very very critical especially in uh, individualist society where winner takes all and sometimes people forget it's probably better to create women for everybody and for example Lincoln Electric I mean is a, is a US company been around more than 100 years and in the early day it actually share all its pattern with the competitor they sell or share or share, they share, share their patterns with competitors. Exactly. Oh. So it's the same thing today, you know, Tesla, uh, Elon Musk, and actually it's also share the pattern on the value with the competitor. Mm-hmm. Because the rationale is I share the pattern, it bring the cost down mm-hmm. and make, make people buy more battery car or EV car because now the EV car is really expensive. This is the concept that used a lot in the Chinese culture is that benefit other people and other benefit yourself. Mm. It's really the win-win concept that is very rarely used in the Western society. And also in Chinese culture, one of the key core value is harmony, right? I think uh, in a win-win situation, it is this balance that uh, creates a kind of a harmony and uh, enlarge the market. So everybody have certain shares versus uh, I have it all and I kill everybody. Yeah, that's correct. In the Chinese culture, this harmony, this collectivism, and you do for the benefit of the society and the people, mm-hmm. rather than yourself and the individual as a corporation. This is a concept pretty much advocated by Confucianism, by Chinese philosophy, which is the opposite of individualism, capitalistic society, where winner takes all. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about this corporate values side, and I think another element is innovation. Yeah, innovation is, uh, I mean, my first session with Michelle, we talked about innovation, how Chinese innovate, not just a copycat. 
But look at the more systematic level. What's interesting and from what I would research in this company is that we find that this company are very creative and innovative over a century. Mm-hmm. The key element they're doing is that number one, their innovation is really systematic. But also, they take calculated risks. They don't take risks blindly because if you take taking risks blindly, you could really kill the company. Mm-hmm. So the reason why a lot of these companies stay more than 100 years because they innovate, they come with a new product, they come with a new business model, they have new thinking that's part of innovation. But every innovation they do, they look at the risk reward scenario. They don't take the risk for the sake of taking risk. Mm. So the common threads that you found out of through the study of those companies, you mentioned, well, they have a long-term vision and look at long-term sustainability. And then they also respect people and they are looking at something that is controversial. Um, they want to create values for their all stakeholders and including those competitors. The other thing you mentioned is they take a systematic but calculated risks in innovation. That's correct. So what are the cultural DNA that is connected with these key points that you come up with? Yeah, as you mentioned before, the culture DNA is the root, right? It's the core of everything we do. We look at this element. It is what's interesting, number one thing. This company are all responsible companies. They take responsibility for what they do. They're responsible to the shareholder, they're responsible to the people. And as a matter of fact, lastly, Star was really made meal safe for people to drink mm. in, in Europe. And that was really the social responsibility that helped to create the company. And then also they uh, like to help people. They really help make a positive impact to society. Then another interesting thing about them is really they have incredible ability to change, to adapt to the new environment, and they also focus on working very hard, which is one of the elements I mentioned before about the Chinese culture is really working hard. And a lot of times there's really no shortcut. It's really hard work, sweat, and, and, and diligence that really made the company work in the end of the day. So that's the cultural DNA that's reflected through the vision, through the company, uh, the, their corporate values, and through their innovation. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Let's take another quick break now. And we will be back right away. China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, back. 
This is In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm talking with my guest YP Chen on Chinese cultural DNA in the context of world-class enterprise. And before the break, we talked about a model that YP you mentioned is borrowed from Dr. Zhao Xiao. Uh, a Chinese academic researcher, and the model by looking into the cultural DNA and the corporate world, there are three elements to look into it. One is the past, which is the vision, and the other is the morality, which is the corporate cultural, and the third part is the innovation. So through these three elements or the lens, looking into this. And then let's take a quick look at、uh, the comparison between Chinese and、uh, the Western world.、Uh, how do we use this lens to look into companies? Whereas this、uh, Chinese cultural, Chinese、um, side, as well as the Western cultural. Yeah, thanks, Michelle.、Uh, well, basically, what we did was based on our、uh, four-month study, and we have a hundred thousand, one thousand page PPT. We develop our own model. We call culture DNA path. This model essentially we do our own. Essentially, is looking at how to compare and contrast between the Chinese and the Western way of looking at the DNA, how we achieve greatness. And this thing has、uh, our model. Unfortunately, later you don't see the full picture. Has six level. The level one, you look at the social status, and level number two, look at current situation. Number three thing, we look at lifestyle. Look at number four thing, we look at. Experience and, and number fifth thing we learn with thinking behavior, and then number six level look at the path, the goal or, or the ultimate goal, and actually in this has two sub level, one individual level, one is group level, and then basically we're looking at this whole thing here is like this. Look, let's go back to the lowest level in social status in the Chinese history. And actually, the social order, packing order, called Xinlong Gongshan, it means the officer is the toppest status in the society. Then it's farmer, there's worker, there's business、uh, people. That's still pretty much true today. Even though entrepreneur become little, business people become a little bit more because of the modern society. The U.S. model is basically、uh, Western model, basically business culture, right? So this drive the social. A hierarchy drive the incentive, and then both United States and the current situation, both United States and China actually face quite a similar challenge.、Uh, the challenge would be the gap between rich and the poor, the environmental degradation, and then also some of the moral issue and and define depend how you define it. So in、uh, the third level lifestyle, what's interesting if you look at it. The Western model is, is consumption, right? We we in our U.S. is really consumption culture, and we love to consume. We spend money. One one step. We're on credit. We're on credit. <laughs> Actually, one interesting thing. Uh, I, there was a Pew research、uh, a couple years ago. Look at and ask people said, if you is this is an emergency, you have to come up two thousand dollar cash、mm-hmm. for the next two weeks. Give you a context. Average people make about fifty two thousand dollars a year. That means. Point two thousand equal to two weeks salary. So purely just ask you if you have to come up two weeks salary cash to deal with emergency. What interesting is sixty five percent of the people in the U S. could not come up two weeks of cash. Huh. 
They don't save money. They don't save money. Historically, the saving rate in the U.S. is about two or three percent, and before the financial crisis, we're minus one percent. How did that minus come from? Because people borrow, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we said, credit card. That's why credit card company may allow money out of uh, the interest. As comparison, in China, uh, the saving rate is about thirty, thirty-five percent. That's coming down as people become more consumption-driven. Yeah, and the credit card uh, concept uh, was relatively new to China. Yes, yeah, but then now by they live forward you WeChat and, and <laughs> Alipay, right? Well, but uh, no matter it's WeChat, uh, Alipay, the mobile payments, you need to have money in your account. Exactly. Then you can spend. Uh, I think culturally is a huge difference between China and the West. Right, and even the credit card in China, for most people, you need to have money in the account. Then you spend it. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly the Chinese culture. Really talk about limit spending. You need to save. And that's one of the virtual that we were educated from young. That you cannot waste anything. Yeah. No wasting of food and <laughs> energy and water. Anything. That's exactly a lifestyle that drive the different behavior between the East and the West. Mm-hmm. Right. And the third level experience. Experience in, in what Michelle mentioned before also is true that you know in we were young, we all trained that you know in the Chinese culture we're really a process driven. Well, you you got to enjoy the process. You really kind of practice our own belief, really self improvement, self reflection along the process. But what's in the West is pretty much in the self driven, right? And, and really, people these days looking about, especially the West, about instant gratification. But the West method is really very good in systematic, repeatable, very efficient. So that's good and bad in both system. And I'm not trying to say judgment. The Chinese is better or the West is better. It's really we need to understand the culture drive, the element behind certain behavior. So on the experience level, what you just said is the Chinese cultural. Is more process driven, while the Western side is more result driven. That's correct. And and by the way, and what's interesting in the past thirty years, since China opened up, interesting enough because the a lot of these the people in our generation are younger. They don't have a lot of Chinese historical history and and, and culture. And actually, to some extent, in the past thirty years, the Chinese follow the Western model to mm-hmm. great extent. But if you go back the five thousand years history, the Chinese model, the Chinese thinking philosophy, very different from the West.、Mm-hmm. I think,、uh, yeah, that also one of the reasons I suspect is because China has been poor for quite a long time, as we mentioned in our previous episode. Then,、uh, when China started to reform, open the door to the Western world. And a lot of Chinese people all of a sudden see the you know, that wealthy Western world, so they think、uh, or they start to embrace the Western culture as well. Yeah, it's the new money concept, right? Right. So that's the truth. So in the next level, we think about is that and what are the thinking and the behavior of between the East and the West. As you mentioned before, in the Western culture, winning takes all. You know, winner takes all, especially in the internet、uh, business model. But in the Chinese culture, I mentioned before,、uh, Li Jianji and also、uh, even Lincoln Electric, which is a Western company, but their philosophy is really consider other people's benefit 
and they may take other the society, other competitors into consideration. And the notion of balance, balance is like the ping hong, the Chinese philosophy in in the Confucius philosophy, Zhong Yong, that means really balance. Don't go extreme either way, and that's the concept is really very critical in terms of the Chinese culture. And don't go extreme. Think about other people's benefit. Uh, for the benefit of society, would, the whole notion of collectivism. Yeah, looking at the bigger picture at the society. Yeah. Versus just、uh, your own group, your own、uh, benefits.、Yeah. Exactly. So the last thing is looking at the path. How do we look at it from the West? Obviously, is really winner takes all, and the way you define be successful is really power, fame, and wealth, right? And to some extent, the in the past thirty years, Chinese look the same way. And, and if you look think about the Maslow hierarchy of need, is really successful is really self actuation, like、right? what is intellectually wealth or other stuff. And it's pretty much still an individual thing. But look at the Chinese. Actually, there's two level. One is individual level, and other one is group level. On the individual level, of course, people want to be in the Chinese context is a noble person, the British thing, a gentleman, and in a little bit high level, high achievement, really legacy, become a saint, become a Chinese saint, right? And that is the ultimate goal of a lot of Chinese pursue. And actually, you look at Chinese history, money is not one of the goal. Uh-huh. Can you give us some examples of when you say the noble, noble person?、Uh, noble, for example,、yeah. you look at people like Confucianism, right?、Uh-huh. I mean, he was he was not a successful government official.、Uh-huh. He was not wealthy,、yeah. but he really became a senior in Guanxi. I mean, he really became a, a scholar that has so much impact in China, Chinese、uh, history in the past two thousand five hundred years, and that is. Why in the Chinese the pursuit of that is more high order money? For example, I know a couple of、uh, pretty successful business people in China. They are billionaire. What's interesting? Why they become a billionaire? Their goal is not to make more money. Actually, a lot of their goal is is about school to become a teacher, to become a mentor,、mm-hmm. become so. It's in the personal pursuit, and their definition of success is very different from the traditional Western model. Mm-hmm. And then on a group level, ultimately, what the Chinese philosophers looking for, Confucius looking for, is the harmony. What Michelle mentioned before, really harmony and the peace is really the unity of heaven and man. And that's the reason why you in Beijing you have、uh, a temple of heaven, right? Is really and worship the heaven, and it's not God. In the Chinese view, distinction the Chinese look at the heaven. Is really the high order, high order in the human being. In the Western culture, we look at have,、uh, God is above human beings. So the Chinese do not really have necessarily the religion、uh, connotation there.、Mm-hmm. And, and the Chinese has many, many gods, right? Yeah, another difference. Yeah, yeah, there's no exclusivity. There's no monopoly. In in the Western thing, it's Jesus in different form. It's really Jesus the God. But in the Chinese, you got you got the heaven. There, some people look at Tao. Some people look at Buddhas. And then even Buddhists, you have so many, so many variation. And then you got so the Chinese will look at it from a very different point of view, from a religion point of view. And speak of that, you look at it from a Western civilization, from Christianity. Jesus sacrificed 
for the sin of the people, right? And you think about Western Christianity, the notion is really escaping pain, right? Jesus said, escaping pain. But look at the Chinese philosophy. Our ultimate goal is actually seeing happiness, seeing enjoyment. So the Chinese philosopher's ultimate goal is not escape pain, but the Chinese philosopher of ultimate goal is see happiness. That from that perspective, it drive the what we call a culture DNA, culture path. That's why we draw this thing. On top of this thing, how do we talk about the vision? We talk about the path. How does innovation play in this whole thing here? Innovation in the Western culture is very disruptive, right? It's technology innovation, really takes all technology key driver. You look at the Chinese innovation is what we call incremental innovation. And incremental innovation is we're talking about changing mind. We're talking about innovation by learning from history, learning from do self-reflection. It's not that we have to go back to the old ancient thing, but history repeat itself. We will learn a lot from history from the philosopher of the people and the reason why Confucianism in 2,500 years there's a reason despite some of the regime, some of the government can suppress it it comes back over and over again because there's a lot of truth to it and the same thing to, to some extent about uh, religion as well so that is kind of the map that we, we create essentially something like this thing is that I thought that it's very interesting. Capitalism is very, very efficient to capture wealth and create the, the prosperity and material need. But also it has a shortcut in terms of the higher spiritual need. We're looking at it and we're looking at maybe the way to, to look back and from the Chinese, from, from our culture DNA, from a corporation, but you look back and some of these higher order, the Chinese philosophy, the harmony, the peace, and really allow to achieve the equality and the collectivism. Mm -hmm. So YP, from your description, I think uh, I kind of understand that uh, by looking, by studying those companies and by studying history and uh, you know a lot of uh, research you have done, you are looking at uh, companies or you are looking at uh, the two cultures, right, the Chinese and the Western cultures, through these. Uh, six uh, categories or six uh, um, elements from social status, uh, current situation, to lifestyle, to experience, to the thinking and uh, uh, behaviors, and to the what you call the past, you know, individual and group. Through those, I see the differences between the Chinese and the Western cultures. So how do we tie this with companies, with businesses? You know, these are kind of separated. Uh, there's a big differences between these two. But how do we use this and think about this uh, for those uh, in the context of the great enterprise that uh, yeah, we're Yeah, what's interesting is that when we study this company, we realize that a lot of Western company, actually a lot of Chinese company initially, they will formally get to somewhere. They pretty much focus with um, the U.S. and the Western model really focus on the business, focus on the consumption for the South driven That's when they started. That's when, when they started. You, you, you have to establish yourself first. But after that, if they stay in this path, they hit the bottleneck. They could not go beyond certain point, certain size, or certain year. What we find out is that all these eight companies we study, after they achieve become a market leader, it's very clearly 
they do not longer follow the path of winner takes all and newly just focus on yourself. So what they did was actually looking from that point, they kind of shifted to the Chinese model in terms of the thinking, the behavior, in terms of the path, both individual collectivism. So one of the interesting thing is that in the end of the day, there's a common between the Western and the Chinese culture ultimately to achieve greatness, to have a long-term sustainability in the company, we could not be too selfish. We uh-huh. got to not only take care of our employee, our shareholder, our stakeholder supplier, but we also need to take care of the competition, the market, they have a healthy market. We also have to worry about the community at large and the society at large to have a sustainability. So what you're saying is essentially the motivation change during the company growing process. In the very beginning, they're trying to survive, they compete, right? They're trying to win. Then later, when they become the leader, that will not continue to motivate them because they're already the winner, they're already the number one. So the motivation factor changes to a higher level, becomes more, you know, the society, the, what value we create brings to the society, uh, how to become a better corporate uh, citizen, and how do we, as a group, as a company, to contribute to the human society? No, to some extent, yes, but to a great extent is that, that when they become a market leader, mm-hmm. it's not suddenly they want to change, they want to become much better, much kinder, but they realize in order for them to sustain to be a market leader, to stay there for more than 100 years, they have to expand their stakeholder base. They have to care more about the society. They have to give back to the society. They have to care about the competition. They have to care about making everybody get a piece of the action. So it's not certainly to become the incentivized differently. They realize in order for them to stay ahead, they have to be more responsible. They have to be to consider other people's benefit. It's one of the conditions for them to become staying on top for over 100 years. Okay, so the motivation here is they want to stay as a leader, stay in the business for long term. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, that sounds uh, very interesting, and uh, I appreciate uh, you are able to explain such a complex model in a way that uh, we can look into this more systematically and uh, have a connection from the Western uh, and the Chinese cartels to those successful companies and uh, understand the key elements or the core DNA, use your words, uh, that uh, can drive them, their success. That's right. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, I think it's time to say goodbye. And before that, uh, could you please uh, again help us to have an overall picture of uh, what we discussed today about the Chinese culture and DNA in the context of the world-class enterprise? Uh, yes, essentially what we're talking about today is uh, I mean, you look at history, culture, philosophy, and business actually in- interconnected. And also there's a lot of commonality between the East and the West, and the ultimately. So I think as a company will move forward in order for companies to stay sustainable or long-term is really think about in a core level, think about how do we think about our culture DNA, what are the root, the key thing to differentiate ourselves from uh, other people, and then we have a very clear 
a path of vision of where you want to go. Luli set up a very good corporate value and, and corporate culture. And finally, it will keep innovate and innovation key to sustainability. And, and they're going to link it back to what I mentioned before about the, the technology innovation. The reason why China is doing so well, not because they just copy to greatness, because in the culture DNA, the Chinese are very innovative. And if you do not understood that, you know what, you keep thinking about the Chinese still the greatness. And no nation, no country, no company could steal the greatness. In the end of the day, they have to have an innovation in the DNA. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. That's a great summary. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and today I am with my guest YP Chen. We have talked about the Chinese cultural DNA in the context of the world-class enterprise. I want to send a special thank you to our wonderful guest YP Chen. You have been with us for three weeks now, and we I certainly have learned a lot from you. Not just from you know. Different uh, industry or company level, but uh, from a more macro, from cultural, from country level, to look at uh, China, to look at the history, to look at all these uh, key driving forces that uh, really helped China develop the economy during the past 40 years. Thank you very much for being here with us. Thank you, Michelle. My honor to share my thought and with uh, everybody, and uh, thanks again for the opportunity. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhao. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 